Hi everyone. Welcome. I'm excited, I guess. Richard, excited that the season is coming to a conclusion. That that was my um, Mrs. Doubtfire, where he sticks his head in the pie Whoa. and he comes out of the fridge. That was my. That's it. Moment. So. Hello. Oh, hello. And then he drops cream. Yeah. Coffee or whatever. We are not talking about face. Mrs. Doubtfire today, people. No, but that would be okay because that's a that's a funny film. Yes. Perhaps next season, if we if we make it that far. So are you implying I'm, I might there might be violence today? No, I I, I need the audience for, for violence. I plan for no violence. <laughs> um, so today <laughs> for our podcast, we shall be discussing first films. In other words, the uh, first role that an actor took on in their cinematic career it's so poetic of us because we started the season with last films right so So we're being fancy pants and we're ending it with first films this is well thought out people this is all for you the first and the last episode at least were thought out everything in between (laughs) um (laughs) on some seasons i might agree with that this one i'm not so sure (laughs) So we have four films, one selected by your two hosts and uh, one each, whatever. Katrina picked one. I picked one. Then the two producers picked one each. Natalie picked four one. Movies. Andrea picked one. Let's name them, shall we? Yes. <laughs> Andrea picked one. Natalie picked one. There we go. So the four <laughs> films are in chronological release order. High Noon which is the first starring role for a lady by the name of Grace Kelly. And then Grace Kelly Goonies, which is the first starring role for a young fella by the name of Sean Astin. You might've heard of him. You might've bumped into that name. Then uh, Forrest Gump with Haley Joel Osment providing us with his first ever cinematic appearance. And then finally, True Grit, which is uh, the first role for Haley Steinfeld. Guess which one Richard put in? <laughs> okay. I don't know. Anyway. it's obvious to me but anyway okay there is one of these four films that i've been trying to get on the podcast for it's the very beginning (laughs) and And, it's in this one and it is fine so it's not just full circle for this season it's full circle for six seasons so maybe we should stop after this season rich there are other movies that i've been trying to get in (laughs) for the past six seasons he implies he has to work so hard to get stuff through. It's oh, whatever. Nice. You got to work hard, too. <laughs> That's right. We grill each other. It's, if it's something I like, forget it. I'm just kidding. All right. Moving on. Yeah. she's. Oh, we haven't even started talking about the movie. She's already got her knives out. <laughs> and yes, that, too, was knives a out was the movie last, reference. was the last one. Okay. Okay. So, four films. Um very different time periods very different actors mm. it's gonna be fun styles to styles directors all that fun stuff so let's get into it um okay. what is your week i'm naming forrest gump <laughs> this is the week which is funny because that's the one i put in there 
I am also naming Forrest Gump as the week. Which is not funny because I knew that was coming. So <laughs> okay. You weaked it yourself. So we're agreeing. Okay. Be happy. Right. Okay. So tell me why you find it to be weak. Okay. So I think, I feel like this is the argument I give more than any other argument of why something gets on my nerves cinematically. And that is people breaking the fourth wall uh-huh. and like looking into the camera. And it doesn't have to be a, a thing that actually occurs. It's just like, you, you know, even just knowing that the camera is there at all. <laughs> Because, you know, you're talking about something that has weight, gravity, history, something like that. And and then they just kind of, you know, like rib you and, and be like, hey, look at that. Look what we just did there. Right. And this is a film that is entirely made up of those moments. There, now, there, there is a great deal of winking going sure, on. Sure, there's a ton. There's a ton of winking. And so for me, that's the that's what made it the least compelling of the bunch. But we're talking about a film. That of these four is the most awarded. Yes. Like it, it got let's see, six Oscars or something like that. Five, six Oscars. Um, we're talking about like best actor, best picture, best writing, best directing, like the quote unquote biggest categories. Since the uh, Academy likes to do that, right? Put the important ones on TV. I'm not burned about that one from last year. Music people, <laughs> I still am. <laughs> I was so mad at the Academy. Um. But anyway, so the quote unquote biggest yes. um, awards that the Oscars can give out, they gave to this film. Um, but it's it's winky. It's breaking the fourth wall, fourth wall. Um, it has a tendency to be like on the sentimental side, and, and which is not a bad thing, especially not for me. But I mean, for some for some people, they might not like that. Mm. Um, it, it's definitely interesting, though. Um at the heart of it, really, even with all that fourth wall breaking, it's like the head and the heart. The heart is the love story between Forrest and Jenny. And um, and the, the head part is that it's basically a social voyeur. It's just like looking at the events of history during Forrest's, Forrest's life and basically how he's connected to all these things. And um, I mean, when you when you consider that all of us kind of have that experience, uh, you know, like how we are connected to things and people and events and stuff like that. But few of us <laughs> have the uh, I, I guess the effect and and considerable attachment that Forrest Gump does. And what the the movie does great are those sentimental moments and connections with and acting from the people that portray Forrest Gump and um, his mom, Sally Field, Robin Wright Penn, right? Robin Wright, Gary Sinise. I mean, there's just really, there's really good. Haley acting. Joel Osment. Haley Joel Osment. So <laughs> sweet. He's yes. so sweet. In, in his very few moments, uh, and I was, definitely makes an impression. I was, I was very pleased. I was hoping when I thought about him that his first film was Sixth Sense. And then I remembered, well, I looked it up, but then I remember, oh yeah, he was in Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. that little kid. Um, Because yes, I'd love to talk about Sixth Sense. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. Another another ding is that because it goes through the events so much, it's almost like cartoony um, right. and forced on some of them. However, I mean, it is, it is pretty amusing. They took actual historical footage and input Forrest Gump 
And that's yes. something that's kind of done on the norm. This was in what, 94? Yeah, 94. So, you know, whenever it was May, 93, 92. So we're not talking about like the the same technology we have today. So it's, imp- it's impressive that it's held up um, and that they were able to use real genuine historical footage where Forrest Gump was in there. And then like they dubbed over people's mm-hmm. voices or made it seem like. Right. Like the president was saying, good job, Forrest Gump. And he's clearly, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> Forrest Gump is not real. What? Um, yes, this is not a yes. documentary. It's not a documentary film. Um, and I will say um, that the other three films in this, it's not his own fault. But when you put it in comparison with the other three films, the other three films are so satisfying because there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. Mm. And there's something so satisfying about that. So simple, so easy to process and watch. Right. And truly, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I love Star Wars so much because it's so obvious to me. Right. Who you're supposed to root for. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and in Forrest Gump, it's not the kind of film that does that. And that's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It just is in comparison with the other three. Those three are satisfying in that way. And this one was kind of the odd man out. So I made for us my week. Well, I I can't disagree with any of your points. I will add my two cents and say, you know, we have an, as you put it, we have an incredibly talented cast of people um, who do a fantastic job portraying their people. We have what was then cutting, cutting edge technology being employed, you know, green screen using to block out Gary Sinise's uh, legs to make it appear that he is a amputee and um, the voiceover dubbing stuff. All of that was was so new um, and holds up. um, A lot of it holds up beautifully. Some of it holds up. okay. But a lot of it, more than you probably would expect, holds up beautifully. Beautiful soundtrack. Um, that opening piano uh, as the feather travels down, I think is just some gorgeous music. I, I love it. Um, <clears throat> what I don't like is how nasty it is. When I say nasty, I don't mean crass, although there certainly is some of that in there. I mean, every person with the exception of Forrest gets their, they, they, there's laced with this ugliness. And in the case of like Jenny, to some extent, you say, well, that's put upon her. Uh, Forrest's mom, Lieutenant Dan. Um, oh, well, no, Bubba Gump. Bubba Gump, uh, or Bubba, sorry, not Bubba Gump. I <laughs> inflated there. Bubba is free from contamination as well. Um, but with the exception of those two characters, everybody's had to do something awful. Um, and it's. it's Welcome just, to life. Well, <laughs> rich. <laughs> and you can say that. And I suppose that there's some justification in saying that. However, um, I don't walk away from this movie feeling good. I walk away from this movie feeling like bad, honestly. Um, And the central core of this is supposed to be Jenny and Forrest's love or whatever. Um, I don't think Jenny loved him in any great, awesome way, the way that Forrest loved her. 
I think that Jenny was dying and needed someone to take care of her child. Oh. And that she contacted Forrest upon finding out that she was dying, despite the fact that she'd had the child for a number of years. And then took care of her kid and which you know that's admirable i well it was their kid and their I, kid, I, I, sure. I can see how you would get that i don't know i i feel like I, you can pretty well see in her face that she's a different person oh robin wright's a great actress and so and no so, argument from me so well i mean as a character it, <laughs> i feel like i feel like she changed and then you know she wanted to invite forrest like daddy forest and a little forest life. Yes. I don't, I, mean, I don't want to spend sure our whole podcast she... on this, but I will say, huh? I wonder what it is that might've made her change. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what it's might little, that have been a little like jaded or yes. Whatever. Is, is this not a incredibly jaded film? Yeah. Um, that sure has all these right. threads of optimism that are all forest. And Bubba based. Yeah, you're right. Virtually. You're um, right. It it does. There's like some searing social commentary. Like you're absolutely right. Cynical, uh, mean, and oftentimes very mean spirited film. And so I, I don't think I am outside of justification to, to take her actions and kind of go, mm, not sure about that. Jen A. Um, <laughs> So I have to say that you trying to do that Forrest Gump the entire film. I was thinking about Tom Hanks and his portrayal in the Elvis film. Yeah. And I was thinking about that the entire time. And I was like, maybe Tom Hanks was not as good as I thought he was before. <laughs> in fact, I was going to say this for the bonus, but out of these four films, Tom Hanks is the one that I liked least. After mm. tasting all four of these films, interesting. It's interesting because he's he's so well known and right. so well heralded, and I'm not he's, saying he's, he's bad, America's dad, right? But but he's the one I liked least, and I was least impressed with. Yeah. Um. When all the dust settled, you know, me. I I can't I can't say he wasn't committed to the role, right? No, he was. He's and, and that he, he certainly gave it his all, but, but I I think it's a fundamental issue with the the bones of the story itself for me i i you could have cast all of my favorite actors in this movie and i still would have sean connery could have played every role i would love that still would have the bonus cast force come with all your favorite actors there we go put a a pause on (laughs) all right okay (laughs) so now that we've we've harped on poor forest yeah, four fours. Um, let's talk about our fleeks. So, what is Goody your? He has that stupid does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm naming Goonies as my on fleek. As a noble and a worthy choice, uh, <laughs> I am naming, I am naming High Noon as my fleek. Interesting. Okay. All right. Interesting. Okay. I'm processing that. Yes, I'm. I'm sure you are. I'm sure the wheels in your head have been turning as you looked at that loony old man. Um, <laughs> so, the Goonies, Richard Donner, Steven Spielberg. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I saw Fablemans last week, and so I'm already in like a Steven Spielberg love fest. I, I have been my entire life. When have you? Yeah, I was about to say, when did the love fest I know. stop? It's, it's true. So, so yeah. Um, actually, and now Richard Donner too, because I just mm-hmm. watched a Richard Donner film yesterday and that's who's the director of Goonies. So this is like a dream team for sure. 
because Richard Donner is fantastic at storytelling, like um, especially with ensemble and storytelling details. Steven Spielberg, of course, also is very skilled at that and world building and epicness um, and just like flavor um, <clears throat> and laying this ground scene. So you get this real sense. I mean, obviously it's what, 85? Yeah, it's 1985. Right. You're dead set in the middle of the 80s and you get the 80s flavor so well um, from everything from the clothes, the music um, to like the Americana and like the class war that's happening kind of where it's like the rich guys coming to take over the middle-class guys right. and whatever to take their houses away and Troy that punk face with the, <laughs> the letterman jacket well and it's and shot beautifully it's yeah oh like yeah it, it the the in, initial gloom of you know the you know they must have waited for a rainy day right to film all of those scenes in the beginning because it's, it's getting ready to rain and then they move into the underground. And then again, it's shot in this kind of gloom, but also with these like pinpricks of light everywhere. That's like, it's just so beautifully done. It's interesting. You say pinpricks of light because in the Fablemans, which is like kind of semi-autobiographical film about Spielberg himself. That's how he did one of his early films. He got this like light, like beam mm -hmm. to come into the film by picking a uh, pricking it with like a pen or something like that. That's interesting that you said that. Okay. Um. So anyway, I mentioned the good guy, bad guy thing. That's really um compelling. Also, uh, speaking of bad guys, when One-Eyed Willie comes on the screen, that is eerie. Like yes. straight up eerie. Yes. The the um composer, beautiful, masterful mm -hmm. work building the suspense and when the reveal happens, but also the cinematography. I'm just crazy good. I mean, like, obviously he's dead. He doesn't have any dialogue. Right. It's just some, you know, like, you know, kind of semi-mummified dude just sitting mm -hmm. there, you know, been dead for however many years. And he he is straight up scary. And yeah. you, you get his whole story yeah. in the seconds we see him on film. Yep. He exudes the sinister. Yes, he exudes the sinister. Being like completely the, inanimate. The pirate, the pirate <laughs> life. Yo, right. ho, ho. And even like the complexity of it, potentially, and the complexity of him as a person. I mean, you Jack all Sparrow that. should take notes. Oh, I know, right? There, he didn't even have any rum <laughs> on the screen. Um, this this film though is just it's full of adventure, it's full of hope and purity mm -hmm. and mystery and everything that you that you like. And that I think is the number one reason why I had to choose it because yeah. this film knows its audience. Mm -hmm. And it's really it's everyone. It's not kids, it's yeah, people who can um identify with magic, you know and seek magic and like i said hope and and uh, it's like what's best about filmmaking and film right. watching is to be able to step into that world and be somewhere else and be different and go mm -hmm. on an adventure or have a romance or you know whatever it is and just feel outside of yourself and examine things and i feel like this film it just is masterful at appealing to the kid and all of us and and uh those who can, you know, relate to that magicalness 
Right. Um, the score is nice. It feels really familiar. Mm-hmm. There's times, strangely enough, that it feels like a play, which I like. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I loved the, um, I loved the bad guys. The other yes. bad guys, the three Mama the and her, her three sons. sons. Really, her guys. two sons that are bad. Right. And the and sloth, my favorite sloth love chunk. <laughs> I I think I that it. the the woman who plays the mom mm-hmm. is just the best. She is just the oh, best. Something else. Oh, she was in Scrooge. That's what I watched from yeah. Richard Donner yesterday. She's also in a little movie called Throw Mama from the Train. Mm-hmm. That's another one I know her from. <laughs> um. She is the mama that someone wants to throw off the train. Oddly enough, she seems so delightful. Um, but she's so good at playing menacing and and nasty, and she just does it so well. She, and uh, she uh, she slaps her kid at that one right. point. That makes me laugh every time. <laughs> and her her kid, they do whatever she wants. Yep. They're so like devoted to her. Yep. <laughs> And they're two great actors Funny. who play her her sons, and then of course Sloth is hilarious and heartbreaking at the same time. You know, yes, it's so sweet. Yeah, Sloth. yeah, it's a it's, it's a, a great movie. Um, the, the cast <laughs> is really great. They have a very <laughs> natural and organic feel to them. The kids all feel like they they've known each other forever. Even you know the kids. Like the older kids dealing with the younger kids, the dynamic is spot on. Um, yeah, it's just really well done. You Mama my and new her, tires. yeah. <laughs> Mama and her kids, Snap them, Thanos. <laughs> they 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 feel so real, right? <laughs> Poor Josh Brolin. Everything. Oh he wait, does and is can I just on. say that Tom Hanks was the one I liked the least after these four. Josh Brolin was the one I liked the most. Mm. He was in two of the four. Yeah. He was he was he wasn't too selling on both of them. Yeah, and and does well. Um. Uh. So yeah, it's a great movie. I I have no dings to to make against this movie. I do remember whenever I watched it, I watched it as a kid, uh, off of TV, and so they they like clean up all the language, and then I remember watching it for the first time as an adult on like a DVD or whatever, and going, wow. There's a lot more swearing in this than I remember because TV had cleaned it all up for me. So that was a a surprise. And that was something else that made it so honest. And so it was honestly, because it was real. I mean, teenagers, right. They're going to curse. Yep. And also uh, like, yeah, majority of the audience is going to do the same thing. So, and I, and I, and I think it does make it more real. And I think it makes it where, um, you it's a little bit more relatable that when the floor starts falling out from under you that you don't go gosh darn it why won't this work you know that there's some some more next time the floor comes out from under me that's exactly what you'll say i'll say well um yeah i i've got no dings against it i have no dings against the other three films to be honest they're all really 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 good so um yeah i'm just chiming in and agreeing with you all right right high noon man high noon high noon gary cooper grace kelly lloyd bridges um that that right there dark-headed girl uh, yes (laughs) 
Um, I do not, I do not say this lightly, but I think that High Noon might be a perfect movie. Okay, the only other film I've ever heard you say that about is Jaws. Yep. I, I, okay, go ahead. Okay. And when I say a perfect movie, I I don't mean perfect in the sense that everybody's going to love it and it has the most massive, broad appeal. In this case, when I say perfect movie, I mean for what it is, it is a perfect depiction of what it it is attempting to depict. I can't think of anything that I would change in it. And it plays out very much like a play in one sense. That's true. But in another sense, visually, it's a very rich and well done film. It's shot in black and white. And everybody just assumes that in the time that it was shot, that every movie was shot in black and white. No. Most of the movies at that point that were coming out in theaters were shot, almost all of them were in color. But the director specifically wanted his film to only be done in black and white. And he does this beautiful ratcheting of tension by depicting the West in a very different way than most any other Western film at that time was doing. Most Westerns showed you these grand vistas and these beautiful views of the open West. And this is like bleak. It's like a town. And then there's this railway and there's this empty stretch of railroad and it's empty and it's empty and it's empty. And as you keep going back to this empty railway, it shows our, our marshal trying to get support and running hither and yon in this town and not getting any help again and again and again. And it makes you think, oh, finally someone's going to help him. And then it pulls it out from under him and, oh yeah, this guy's there for him. And no, no, he's not. And so, really it builds up tension beautifully and then when the train arrives and the the whole movie goes to its conclusion you really are in suspense in a way that uh to me was unique it it has great characters it has a really wonderful portrayal of women in that they're given depth and character which at that time was not always the case i don't have a woman who's a business owner is that who, what she was? Yes, she was. Mm. She owned the businesses in that town and she Yeah, I bet she owned all the business. Oh, okay. whatever. You make whatever aspersions <laughs> against her you care to. She's a widowed woman who owned businesses and was a, a silent investor. I do not think she was a prostitute and I I will actually contend that pretty sharply. Um I think that she was involved with the marshal and then she broke it off with him for whatever reason and then she got involved with the deputy um i think she is very well portrayed she's complex she has insights she doesn't just let men walk all over her she pushes back i think grace kelly does a great job of playing a woman who has reasons for being an objector to the lifestyle of her husband but then ultimately is brought into conflict with others that kind of makes her go against her principles in defense of somebody else. And I, Oh, I think it's great. Well, the character might be good, but I feel like her portrayal was boring, boring, boring. I disagree. I think her portrayal was exactly what it needed to be. There needed to be a contrast between her and the marshal and then her and the uh, lady who owns the businesses, the, the widow. Um, I think there needed to be that contrast between them. 
Um, well, both of them were boring, boring, boring. <laughs> I'll say that. I disagree. Oh, man. I think that this was just about one of the most perfect movies that I've watched in terms of it was exactly what it was supposed to be. Everything from like when the two of them are on the wagon and they're riding away and one of them looks back and it's not his wife. And you're like, oh, man, she's going to help him. She's going to go back. But she isn't the one who goes back the wife who goes back i mean there's just all these little things these threads that if you maybe you need to watch it again katrina maybe you there's need no to give this happening. movie another try miss oh richard in order to appreciate elvis you need to watch it at least four times and did you to really no. let it sink in did well, you go and watch no. high noon four times no i watched it once i there were things i liked about it a lot i liked the storyline i liked gary cooper at his portrayal of the guy the guy i did not i did not care very much about grace kelly at all and i did not like her character at all um and like even though i mean argument aside with that you said she had reasons for not wanting to support the violence and like okay they did a fair job of making that you know apparent but i just I didn't, I didn't buy it. Is this where you say stand by your man? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Um, somebody ought to have daggum. That was the reason I did like the film was the, was the, the morality of it all, the questions mm-hmm. and the psychology of it. And all of the legitimate reasons why people wouldn't help him um, right. over and, then- and over. Exactly. And they were all, all different. And at the end, I, I loved it when he threw down his little sheriff's badge. I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, that's exactly what needs to happen. You need to step away from that toxic situation, sir. Obviously those people do not have your back, which raises a lot of other questions. Yeah. I really did like that part of the pacing. The pacing was not, the pacing was problematic to me. And I think that that aided my arguments about the the women a lot of the stopping had to do with them and around them and i think that's i mean there's commentary there well i i I get what you're saying i think the pacing works for the film because again it's that ratcheting up of tension where you kind of if you go into this blind which i essentially did um then you kind of start out going, well, yeah, of course he's going to get somebody in this town to help him because people keep walking in and, and you they know, were all at his, his wedding at the beginning. Right. And, and you know, <laughs> yeah. And then just excuse after excuse. And some of them sound legitimate and then others sound cowardly and then others sound holier than thou. And, and just, um, it was very interesting. It's, and I it's think like, there's, yeah. it's like there's a lot of, of deeper meaning that I think can be mined from this film. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's fair. But the pacing, I feel like, is problematic. I feel like the 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 women in the story problematic. There's some things around them that are problematic to me. And also, you talked about the rationing of tension, but like the guys that are imposing the tension, those three guys, they kept showing, you know, on the op- or the two guys or the whoever many there were waiting at the three guys waiting for the guy. Oh, right, right. Every time it would pan over to them, it was like, again, boring as a box of rocks. <laughs> like, you no, have because to, they're waiting for you, the train. I know. Like, I know what 
was happening? Go watch it three more times. Go watch it three more times and then talk to me about it. You go watch Elvis three more times, Richard. I've watched Elvis twice. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, good. Good job. Um, anyway, so no, but I mean, you have to fill in the blanks with your mind. And I mean, that can be, that can be a strength. Depends on what your imagination is. My imagination happens to be really good. So I mean, it could fill in the blanks, but I feel like that was, that was boring. It was boring, boring, boring. I I like the questions. I like the psychology. I don't like the pacing. It was number three for me. If we're uh, ranking in that way. Well, that's sad. Well, but to be honest, I mean, Goonies was number three for me. So, well, there you go. Take a fight. But three <laughs> out of, again, like truly, it was like Forrest Gump and then like go 85 floors up. And then they're on the other three floors right next to each other. Like, I, I enjoyed those films so much more than, than Gump. Mm-hmm. But Gump was the one that had all the awards. And, and Gump is the one that's quoted the most, yeah, probably. Course, Goonies gets Goonies a lot of quotes. Goonies does have good quotes. Also, but forest is and like forest is. I, can, I mean, I say, now. I say, hey, you guys, like right. once a week. <laughs> Not even kidding. All right, should we rank these things? <laughs> Shall we? Okay, so hmm, what do we even? What's the common? <laughs> what's the common uh, object between these four? Something that's a first, like first, uh, lose a tooth. First time you lose a tooth. First tooth. <laughs> wow. That's like weird and a little off. because I'm around kids all the time. How many, how many lost teeth? teeth. <laughs> you know, somebody lost teeth in these like Western punch out brawls. Yes. And yes, I'm sure. I'm sure that Forrest Gump lost a tooth. And what, when I Willie lost a tooth. One I Willie probably had a necklace of teeth from people he'd <laughs> murdered or something. Uh, I bet he did. Okay. So He's still trying to think of something better than teeth. No, I'm just, I'm sticking with teeth. I'm going to go with your teeth thing. I'm going to give it eight out of 10 teeth. (laughs) How many teeth did you give it? Eight out of 10. Because the top three are so daggum good. Yeah, I'm going to say seven. I'm going to say seven, but maybe eight. All right. (laughs) Depends on the teeth. How nice. Some poor kid had got half of his tooth smashed up so that Katrina could take that half. That happened to one of my students yesterday. <laughs> On that pleasant image. <laughs>